Today's scripture comes from Matthew 19, 16 through 22. Then someone came to him and said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Also, love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all of these. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions to the poor. Sell your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, good morning. Good morning to those of you who are here. Good morning to those who are joining us online. I'm going to start out by saying thank you for your grace and allowing me a little time off. Um, when I... Uh, the, my appointment last, last year to First Methodist Carrollton was kind of a last minute, and so the plans that I had originally planned for last summer were uh, changed to refocus here, and then my father's illness and his passing last fall, and then the last six months of redesigning ministry uh, in midst of COVID-19, I needed a vacation. <laughs> but where would I go? I mean, where would I go? So I thought, well, I'll just do a staycation. I will um, do some reading, uh, maybe renew my golf game, and watch the news. Uh, yeah, that was a mistake. Wow, what a mess. You know, other than the unprecedented times that we're living in, I was absolutely struck by the commentaries of so many cultural experts. The commentaries were full of social discourse on power, influence, class, ideology, and nobody agrees. I was struck by the division, by just the conflict unlike any I've ever seen in my life, and maybe unlike any in the history of our nation. It struck me that we are in a war for the soul of America. We are in a war for the soul of America. We're divided by race. We're divided by class, economics, ideology, age. And everyone has an opinion. But here's the deal, is that the opinions are couched more in, in tearing down those who disagree with them. 
struck, I was, further, I was struck by the, by the strategy of, of this one-upmanship that the answer was in winning instead of what's best for America. It's as if both sides, and I say both sides because there's really several sides, want to keep the, their knee on the neck of those who disagree with them. We're in a war. We're in a war for the soul of America. And, and this morning now, I, I want to make sure you understand that I'm, I'm not going to make any kind of political statement. I'm not here to talk about Black Lives Matter. I'm not here to talk about uh, defunding the police. I'm not here to talk about um, which president to elect or how to solve the economic pain in our country. I want to address the spiritual war that's at stake here. Because missing from this, this chaos of argument is the gospel. It's totally missing. And maybe it's always been that way. The church does have a habit of, of, of focusing on right behavior and instead of the message of Jesus of submission to God and giving oneself away. The church does have a habit. We, uh, we get a little righteous about certain issues, and rightfully so. But the problem is, is that Often the gospel gets lost in the issues. Where is the gospel today? The measure of success and power is not beating into submission those who disagree with us. But rather, showing our total allegiance to the ways of God, to the ways of the gospel, living for Christ in all things. Over the next few weeks, I want to focus on chapter 19 and 20 of Matthew, because what, what, what Jesus does, and it's right there, chapter 21 is the, is, the, is the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It's the beginning of Holy Week. And so th these are kind of the last discourse and, and interaction of Jesus right before he enters into Jerusalem. And in these two chapters, we get a, a glimpse of what Jesus really values. Matthew shares with us, and the one we're going to deal with today, how Jesus deals with a rich young ruler. We're going to deal next with the parable of the generous landowner. And then with an argument that James and John has about who's going to be most important in Jesus' kingdom. When we look at these passages, obviously Jesus cares little about what we deserve or what we have attained. Jesus cares totally and completely upon our devotion to the ways of God. Let's pray. Lord God, in these moments, as we look at your scriptures, speak to us, O oh God. Give us your word. Give us inspiration. 
Give us guidance. Lord, direct us. And for all that I don't say this morning, oh God, may, may you fill in the gaps and may you speak to us in some way by your Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The rich young ruler. It's shared in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It, it's known as the rich young ruler. Um, we, don't, we don't see the word rich in Matthew. Luke is the one that tells us that, uh, that the... Uh, 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 and we don't see the word, excuse me, ruler in Matthew. Luke is the one in, in chapter 18, 8 that says that he's a ruler. All three Gospels refer to him as, uh, as rich. Matthew refers to him as young. It starts with a question in verse 16. Then someone came to Jesus and said... Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Now, this is not a common question in that particular day. Uh, the question of eternal life was somewhat discussed. It was some a little bit behind the scenes. But the real questions was about what was the most important law? What was I to follow first? How could I be righteous? How could I be good? And so Jesus addresses that first. He says, only one is good. And he answers with this in 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Jesus doesn't answer his question. Did you hear that? The young man asked Jesus about life eternal. In Greek, it's zoan uh, anina, and, and, which means life without end or life without an age. Jesus says if you wish to enter life using only zoan, do this. In other words, Jesus is referring to having a good life without the promise of eternity. To have a good life without the promise of eternity. That's typically the question a rabbi would get, is how can you live a good life? And so that's the question that Jesus answers here. He says, follow the commandments. And he names off a few of the, of the Ten Commandments there from, from Moses. And then, and then he adds Leviticus 19, 18, love your neighbor as yourself. Between the lines, you can hear Jesus saying, young man, you know how to live a good life. Treat others right. The young man's response in verse 20 said, I have kept all these what do I still lack? I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Now, in, in looking at the Greek, we begin to see the pain that this young man is feeling. He, because he uses the word fulah. Fulah is kept. I have fulah, have kept. And, and it's more than just, you know, what, what we would, you know, refer to as kept, that I've, I've stayed between the lines, I kept within the speed limit. There is, fulah has a pain to it, that I have kept diligently, that I have kept it in yet. And, and he continues on, 
with, by saying, uh, what do I still lack? And that phrase is driven by the word hystero, lack, which fully means empty to the point of despair. In this context, the question might have better been, why do I feel so empty? Have you ever asked that question? Uh, my guess today is that there are a lot of protesters out there thinking that they can fill the emptiness inside by marching up and down the streets and shouting against some injustice that they believe is going on in our, in our nation. I, I believe that there are those who, who, who are asking that question, why do I feel so empty? And believe if they can just get a little more influence, if they can be heard just a, just a little more, if they can just get a little more money, a little more power, that that will fill that emptiness inside. As I think about this passage, I can see Jesus' eyes light up. And I can just almost hear the wheels turning in his head. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're going to move beyond and into something really substantive. This rich young ruler has, who has everything going for him is realizing that there is more to a complete and full life than just health, vitality, authority, and wealth. Now comes the hard part. It is the demand of the gospel that stands as a barrier for all of us. Jesus wants complete and total commitment and trust. And so he says to the man what the man didn't want to hear. If you wish to be perfect, and in this case, if you wish to complete what you desire, eternal life. Go sell your possessions, give to the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You know, the rich young ruler had it all. I mean, he did. Vitality, position, wealth. And I'm sure he's asking, can this Jesus really deliver on his promise? Have you ever asked that question? When you're trying to make a decision about that next step in your faith, can Jesus really deliver? Can he? This is a person who realized that there is a deep hole in their life. And he's tried to fill it with everything else and has had the opportunity to do so in many ways, and yet that hole still existed. And yet he lacked that one last step, the passion and trust enough to take that next step to give it all to God to be all that he could be. He could not give up his position nor his wealth. Hmm. But uh, how would we answer that? Would you? Would you? I don't know. 
There are times when I would say with an emphatic yes, yes, sir. And there's other times. And don't misunderstand me. I don't think that Jesus here is saying that if you have money or position, you can't get into heaven. The question is, where is your allegiance? Where is our allegiance? I want to go back to our war on the soul of America. It's not always the first. The ones in charge, the ones with honor, who get the first place in heaven, in God's kingdom. Because you see, God examines the heart, the passion, the effort of the soul. And this is where God's victory lies. This is where we should be fighting this war for the soul of America. One person at a time, one soul at a time, one conversation at a time. Not to win the debate, but to win in love. And here's what I also want to say is let us never give up. God will not be defeated. The name of Jesus will always be called upon. The ones who follow Jesus, they, they may be in a minority. But as Jesus said in the parable of the sowers, he said to his disciples, what you are in the hands of God can be 100 times what you could be on your own. Let's think about that for a moment. All of us in here and online, if we started multiplying by 100 Oh, my goodness. And what separates us from that kind of multiplication is our allegiance. Our allegiance. But the allure of society's values and the need to be right and defeat the other side corrupts what God is trying to do in this world. Our definition of winners and losers, those in place and those who are not, is, is opposite to what, to what God has, has planned for creation. The lure of power and influence and, and wealth draws us away, draws us away from what God wants in us and from what we are intended to be. Here it is. It's not about first place. It's about showing up for Jesus. Are you willing to show up for Christ? That's why I said that those who are first in this world, because of what we have to give up in order to be first, are typically last in the kingdom. We often are too comfortable and too often trusting in ourselves. Sound familiar? Well, only when we throw ourselves completely at a God-led life can we be the person that God has called us to be. 
Jesus in the um, Gospel of John is quoted as saying, uh, talking about living water. He refers to himself as, as the living water. And the image that I want to leave you with is the image of the Dead Sea. See, the River Jordan flows into the Dead Sea, and the water just stops there. Nothing flows out. And as a result, everything in the Dead Sea dies. It dies. It cannot live. On the other side, that water which flows... That water which is active, that water that comes from Christ, cannot be stopped. If there is an obstacle, it will flow over it or or around it or even if necessary under it. It cannot be stopped and it brings life. Where, Where are you this morning? Is your life just flowing into one place? And stopping? Are you willing to let the living water of Jesus Christ flow through you? Uh, on Monday, when I was the first ba- day back in the office, I had just, <laughs> just the night before watched four hours of news flipping back and forth between Fox, CNN, CNBC, and whatever else. And I got to tell you, I was distraught. I thought, you know, how in the world are we going to... Yeah, I, and I walked in those doors, and I turned to my right, and the first thing I saw were the boxes that we had collected for the Children's Hunger Fund. And on those boxes, there was a heart, each one of them. And I just, it just, I just stopped in my tracks. And, and I, I thought, God's giving me an answer. I was just asking the question as I was walking across the a parking lot, God, how are we going to address this? How are we going to do this? There is a war for the soul of America. What do you want us to do? And the question was just out of my mind mouth when I saw those boxes. And I realized at that moment that that's what Jesus wants us to do. To give ourselves away until nothing is left. To give ourselves away until we can't take another step. To give ourselves away until we drop. To give ourselves away. To give ourselves away. To look outside those doors and to see those who are in need and to love with all of our might and all of our soul in the name of Jesus. Not in our name, but in the name of Jesus. To become living water within this world. To accept the challenge of Jesus. Are you willing to give it up and come and follow me? Are you willing? <sighs> this war will be won because of the church's love, because of our acts of kindness. So let us, with every committee, organization, Sunday school class, and small group begin to think in ways, how can we love those in need? How can we share with them the living water of Jesus Christ 
and through our actions say, no matter what Washington does, or Austin, or whatever organization you want to name, we love you in the name of Jesus. And that is our primary value.